talking about Nehemiah while he was singing. Nehemiah is there doing the work of God, and here come those agitators. The devil has a lot of those. They're in the world, they're in the church, they're at your job, they're at your school, they may even be in your family. God help you if they are. And they agitate you while you're trying to do what's right, and they pull you back, and they run you down and drag you down. And these agitators come to Nehemiah while he's trying to do the work of God, and Sanballat and Geshem and Tobiah were their names. And boy, they says, boy, you're, these walls are going to come down. They're going to fall down. Nothing's going to happen. There's no use. Why are you doing what you're doing? And Nehemiah gathered the people together, and they prayed to God, and they got back about the work because they knew that God was going to prosper them. And folks, God's going to prosper us in spite of our circumstances, not because of who we are, but because of who he still is. God hasn't changed a bit. Good to see you here this morning. Glad to have you here at Central today. As we continue our theme in the year of now, we're trying to ask the question, what's our now? And finding our now, fulfilling God's will for us now, and excited to have another opportunity to open the Word of God today and find that. Turn to Romans chapter 13 today, if you will. Romans chapter 13, this first Sunday in February, hard to believe, one month in this new year, and this new theme has already passed, and I think if you do the math, we're somewhere around 10%, 10% of 2022 has already passed. Think about that, 10% of it's gone. Have you found your now? Have you been fulfilling your now? 10% of this year is gone before you know it. It will be 20 and 30 and 50 before you know it. The Lord's going to come back. I hope you're finding and fulfilling your now. And I'm glad you're here today because, look, church attendance is definitely part of now. You wonder where God wants you to be at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings? He wants you to be in his house. And I'm glad you're here today. Glad to have a lot of our people tuning in on live stream. And glad to have, as Brother Nate said, a lot of our folks returning back that have been under the weather. Romans 13, if you're there, let's stand together this morning. Stretch our legs just a little bit. Romans chapter number 13. Look down, if you will, to verse 10. We'll read to the end of the chapter and we'll pray and let you be seated. The Bible says, Romans 13, verse number 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Don't forget that. Some of our key texts will be verse 11. Follow along. The Bible says, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to be back today. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to come to your house, open your words, sing, Lord, to you amongst your people. Thank you for the great spirit from our people. And I pray you bless each and every one that's not just in this room, but all of those tuning in today. Be with those that are sick. I pray that, Father, you'd help guard uh, everyone's heart today, help us set aside our cares just for a little while, that we might receive the message. I pray that, Father, our focus would be to leave here with what you have for us right now. And I pray that all that we say today would bring glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I believe last week we looked at the subject of understanding the opportunity of now. Understanding the opportunity of now 
and realizing the great privilege of the moment that God's given us. God's allowed us to live in this day and age that we're in right now. And although it's not an exciting day and age as far as the good things that are going on, it is exciting to know that God has allowed us the opportunity to serve him in the hour that we're living. Now, I believe we do understand the opportunity that's before us. Uh, As we've been talking about the need and the opportunity, I believe we recognize that very clear. But just because we recognize the opportunity and just because we recognize the need, it still doesn't mean we've acted upon it, correct? You think about our children. Oftentimes we explain to our children what we want them to do and what we don't want them to do. And we explain it very clearly because we are parents and we know everything and we have explained it in a way where surely they understand. And we look into their little eyes and we say, do you understand what I'm saying? And they look at you and they shake their head, yes. And so because they understand it, it means they're always going to do it, correct? No, for those of you, look, those of you that are laughing, you have children uh, because you know you explain it and it's just so clear and it's so simple. Please do not play with matches. Please do not play in the road. Please put your helmet on when you're riding the bicycle. Please do not put quarters up your nose. I mean, how simple could that be? Do you understand? Yes. And next thing you turn around and they've got a buck 50 up each nostril. Did I not tell you? Do not put coins up your nose or corn in your ear. I think it was somebody in my wife's family years ago when they were a kid put a corn kernel in their ear, and I think it actually sprouted. And you're thinking, I told you not to do that. Did you understand what I said? Yes. Then why didn't you do it? Well, I just didn't want to is what it boils down to. Now, we understand there's a great need for us to act now. Correct? We understand there's a great opportunity for us to act now. But just because we understand it doesn't mean we're acting upon it. That's the difference in obedience and disobedience. Disobedience is when we know what to obey, and yet we decide not to do it anyway, okay? That's the difference in ignorance and disobedience. Disobedience is when we know and we don't do it. That's why James 4, 17, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now I want us to understand something before we get in the message today. Finding and fulfilling our now is not an optional thing. Therefore, him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. Notice obedience is not just knowing it. There's a lot of us in here this morning, you have a lot of Bible knowledge. Can I tell you, just because you have Bible knowledge doesn't mean you're living in obedience. Because the Bible says, him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. Now that's what the Bible says. Our failure to fulfill the will of God is not a matter of ignorance. We know what it is. We know there's a need. We know there's an opportunity. But listen, the reason we're not fulfilling it is because we're not doing something with what we know. Now, folks, last week we looked at understanding the opportunity. I do believe we understand the opportunity. The problem is we're not doing anything with what we understand. You know why our country's in the shape it's in today? It's not in the shape it's in today because we didn't know what to do. God preserved his word for us, and for the past 200 years, there have been faithful men riding up and down the roads of America preaching what thus saith the Lord. It may be hard to find one every once in a while, but God has always had a mouthpiece proclaiming his word and his truth all throughout this land. America cannot stand before God and say, we didn't know. 
God says, number one, I gave you my word. Number two, I had preachers who had the boldness and courage to preach the truth of the word of God. You cannot stand before God and say, I did not know. We stand before God, we will stand before God in disobedience because we did not do anything with all that we knew. What does the Bible say in Romans chapter one? The Bible says because that when they knew God, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Now watch this, would you say America has become darkened? All right, now watch. America's not sitting in darkness because of ignorance. We're sitting in darkness because when we knew God, we glorified him not as God. So we knew what to do. We didn't act upon what we knew. Therefore, we became vain in our imaginations, and our foolish heart was darkened. We're sitting today in darkness not because of ignorance, but because of disobedience. We knew what to do, but we didn't act upon it. Now, why is that important? Well, we're going to continue to live with the consequences of our disobedience if we don't start acting upon our now, all right? If you wanna see America change, whatever the Holy Spirit deals with your life about today, act upon it now, because if you don't act upon it now, that's disobedience, and we're gonna keep having the same consequences over and over and over. This little girl one time, she was having trouble with being obedient and minding her mom, and her mom, like a good mom would do, says, listen to me, if you don't learn to obey, you're going to have to live with the consequences. I think a good parent ought to say that to their kids. There are consequences. The reason we live in an entitled world is because mom and dad never had consequences for the kids in the home, and they get out in the world and wonder why they can't burn down car dealerships and businesses because there's no consequences at home. They think there's no consequences in life. So the girl looks at her mom and he says, she says, Mom, she says, I'm going to do my best to learn to obey. Please don't make me go live with the consequences. I want to live with you. Now, folks, we don't want to live with the consequences. We want to live with our Father. The only way to change the consequences is to change our choices. So that brings us back. We have an understanding of what now is. We know there's a need, there's an opportunity, but what's going to motivate us today to act upon now, all right? That's what it boils down to. What's going to motivate us? Well, if you look at Romans 13, the Apostle Paul gives us something in verse 11 all the way down through verse 14 that's going to help us. You read it, the Bible says, verse 11, and that knowing the time, now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Can you see what it is? Can you see what Paul is using to motivate these Christians to get about the will of God for their life? Can you tell what it is? It's urgency. Can you see it there? Knowing the time, it's high time, awake out of sleep. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Can I tell you, fulfilling the will of God in your life right now, in this place, today and tomorrow and the rest of your life is going to boil down to whether or not you realize we have a sense of urgency to act upon it. The night is far spent. It is high time, he says. I told my daughter last night about an interesting African proverb I read this past week. It says, every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up knowing that it must run faster than the slowest lion to survive. Are you with me there? 
Every morning a gazelle wakes up in Africa, it knows it must wake up being able to run faster than the slowest lion. But think about this, every morning in Africa, the lion wakes up and knows that he must run faster than the slowest gazelle if he's going to survive. So no matter if you're the lion or the gazelle, you've got to wake up running with a sense of urgency. Now, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter who you are this morning. It doesn't matter how much Bible you know, how long you have or have not been coming to church. If you're going to fulfill the will of God for your life right now, you've got to realize there's a sense of urgency. Nobody gets a pass to say, you know what? I get a get out of jail free card today and don't have to do the will of God. That's why we're in the shape we're in. For too long, we've neglected what we've known and we haven't seen the sense of urgency that we have. So that's why this morning, we're going to look at the subject of understanding the urgency of now. Understanding the urgency of now. Last week, we looked at the opportunity. This week, we look at the urgency. So let's jump right into it. Verse 11, Paul's using urgency to motivate them. See verse 11, and that knowing the time. That's very important, that phrase, knowing the time. He's motivating them by helping them understand, number one, the realization of the time. Notice what he says. He's trying to motivate them. And he's motivating them by helping them understand the realization of the time. The Bible says, and that knowing the time. You know, nothing gets my blood pumping more than to realize time has gotten away from me. Right? I have a list every day of things I have to do. I have a daily list, an hourly list, a monthly list, and a yearly list. Literally, I do. I can show them to you. When I finish something on my list, it gets a thumbs up on my phone. I love putting the thumbs up on there. It means I got something on the list that is done. Every once in a while, I'll look down at my daily list on things I have to do, places I have to go, people that I need to go visit, phone calls that I need to make, letters that I need to write, and I'll look down and realize it's almost at the end of the day and I haven't gotten it done, and my heart begins to race, and it motivates me to set aside what I'm doing and finish what needs to be done in that day. Oftentimes, I feel like the white rabbit. Do you remember the white rabbit off of Alice in Wonderland? Some of you, it may have been a while since you've watched it, but I have a daughter at home, and her favorite character is Alice, and uh, we, we, we watch Alice a lot. And that white rabbit, what was he always saying? I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. No time to say hello, goodbye. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. That is my spirit animal. I didn't know what that was, Brother Michael, until a few years ago, but evidently in today's society, you need a spirit animal. If you don't know what yours is, ask me. I can probably tell you, all right? Some of you, it's the sloth for sure. No doubt. No doubt. Just kidding. As a matter of fact, I have a picture of me with him. One day I saw him in Disneyland, California. I said, could we get a picture together? I feel like we're brothers from another mother, you know? We're always late, running back and forth. But what was he always doing? He was always running. He was always running. Do you know why he was running? Because he had a realization of the time. Around his neck, he always would have that clock that was around his neck. And every time Alice would see the white rabbit, he's running back and forth, to and fro. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. What was motivating his run? It was the fact that he had a realization of the time. Now, wait a minute. What does the Bible say in Hebrews chapter 12? What does it call the the work of the Christian life? Let us therefore run the race that is set before us. Let us run the race that is set before us. Do you know why so many of us are not like the white rabbit? Do you know why so many of us are taking our time wandering down the primrose lane of life 
It's because we don't have a realization of the time. That the fact of the matter is the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back real soon. That look, before too terribly long, the trumpet of God is going to sound. And we get to get out of here. And I'm excited about it. But there's a lot of obedience that needs to be done in my life. There's a lot of understanding that needs to be an undertaking in my life if I'm going to be found working when he comes. we got to have a realization of the time. Folks, I think a lot of us have heard about the Lord coming back for so long, we've kind of become numb to it. Notice what Paul says in verse 11, and that knowing the time. He says, look, if you're going to be motivated, know the time. That now it is what? High time. High time. That phrase means overdue or past time. You ever told your kids, hey, it's high time to get out of bed? I mean, good grief. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Get out of bed. Get up. Hey, it's high time you cleaned your room. You lost your brother or sister somewhere in there. Go dig them out of the dirty clothes. I mean, go find them. It's high time. What does it mean? It's overdue. Watch what he's saying. It's high time. He's telling them, wake up. Wake up. He says, you've been lulled into sleep. You've been lulled into complacency. And the thing that should motivate you most is to realize you've hit snooze one too many times in your Christian life. I love the snooze button. If, if I had a clock, it's my phone now, but if I had a clock, the snooze button would probably have been rubbed smooth and clean. There would be no words left on it. It's the button I hit often. I want to sleep in a little long. Do you know what Paul's saying here? Paul says you need to realize the time. It's past time. Look, if you're ever going to find your now and fulfill your now, the time is now because what? It's high time. I really am afraid today that the events of 2020 and 2021 have lulled us into complacency. We're complacent when it comes to our faithfulness to church. We're complacent and sleepy when it comes to our fervor in our faith. We're complacent in our fight when it comes to standing up for the cause of Christ. And we've been lulled to sleep. I get it. The last two years have given us many opportunities to be idle. But I believe we've gone beyond idle. And we've become asleep. Church attendance used to be important. Now we can take it or leave it. I'll promise you, if you just realize the time before too terribly long, the eastern sky is going to split. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to come. I'll guarantee you, you'd find your way to church. Oh, you don't want to be caught at home in your lazy boy when the trump of God sounds. You don't want to be caught, listen, out doing what you want to do. Look, you don't want to be caught out on a deer stand when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back or in your bass boat on a Sunday when he comes back. You want to be where you're supposed to be, doing what you know you're supposed to do. And what's going to motivate us this morning is to realize the time is now. It could come any moment. You know, there's nothing left that really has to happen for Jesus Christ to come back. Nothing left. Number one, the realization of the time. Ephesians 5, 14, Paul said this to the church at Ephesus. Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. It's talking to the church. Awake thou that sleepest. I feel and I fear this morning that the church has fallen asleep. We've been lulled into complacency with all that's going on. But listen, faithfulness still matters to God. Standing up for the cause of Christ still matters to God. Now's not the time to sleep. I feel like the church is a lot like Jonah today. What was Jonah doing? The world around him was in turmoil, was in a storm. What's Jonah doing? The heathen captain of the ship comes down and says, 
What meanest thou, O sleeper? I mean, even the heathens knew now wasn't the time to be sleeping. And yet there was God's man down there asleep on the job. Boy, we're in a boat in the middle of a storm. And God's people are asleep. You know why we're asleep? We don't realize the time. We think, you know what, we're going to live a full life and not see the Lord come back. That's another generation. I hate to tell you, there's a good chance you're going to see it. One of my favorite missionaries, Jim Elliott, said this. God, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life that I may burn for thee. Consume my life, my God, for it is thine. Listen to this last part. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. He said, I'm not seeking a long life. I'm seeking a full one. He said, I'm not looking just to have a lot of years in my life. I want to have a lot of life in my years. He said, God, would you consume these idle branches of my life? Take it over. Fill it for you. You know the story of Jim Elliott. He was born in 1927. He uttered these words January the 17th, 1948. January the 8th, 1956, he was martyred by the people that God had called him to reach down in Ecuador. Can I tell you what he did? He died young, but he died living a full life. You see, he was motivated by the realization of time. He had no idea how little time he was going to have, but he made the most of it one now at a time. He filled it. Folks, what if I told you that you have eight years. He had eight years from the time that he said that before he would see his Savior as a young man murdered on the sandy beaches of the river where the Alkan Indians took his life. Eight years. He didn't know time was short, but he knew time was short whether or not he died in eight years or 80, and he lived them to the fullest for the cause of Christ. Number one this morning, what's going to motivate us to find and fulfill our now? It's the realization of our time. It's time that we move on from the distractions of the world and act now. Matthew 4, 17, amazing passage of Scripture I read last night. I've never thought of it from this perspective. You say, well, look, we've got all this stuff going on in our world, the economy and all of these issues politically and globally. I mean, there's some scary things going on in our world, and I agree with you 100%, okay? I'm not going to stick my head in the sand and ignore like they're not there. But in Matthew chapter 4, something very interesting happens. Jesus has fasted for 40 days, 40 days. The devil comes and tempts him. Jesus goes into this spiritual battle with Satan. He comes out of the battle, and one of the next verses, the Bible says this, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If I had just fasted all that time, weeks and weeks and weeks, and I had just went through this fierce battle with the devil, do you know what I would want? I'd want a vacation. I had to get away for a few. I just went through a tough time, you know, and fasting all this time and going toe-to-toe with Satan himself. I need some time off. But the Bible says in verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What was motivating him? Urgency. Urgency. He knew he didn't have long, and he had to work. Why? The night was coming. If you look at verse 11, you're going to see something that I think you ought to etch on the backside of your brain that helps you motivate yourself. It helps me motivate myself. And that knowing the time, that now is high time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation. Watch the next word, nearer. Nearer. Can I tell you this morning 
the coming of our Lord, our salvation. It's not talking about the salvation of your souls. It's about when he comes and gets us. It's nearer than you think. It's nearer than you think. If you knew the trumpet was going to sound tomorrow, how would you live today? If you knew we wouldn't be back here next Sunday because the Lord's going to come back, how would you live the next seven days? It would change, wouldn't it? Why? Because now you have a realization of the time. John 4, 35, right there in our theme scripture, the Bible says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Notice what he's saying? Lift up your eyes. Realize, what does it say? Look on the fields, for they are white already. It's nearer than you think, number one. The realization of time, but let's keep reading. The Bible says, verse number 11, the second part, For now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Can I tell you this morning what ought to motivate you to take your understanding and make it an undertaking is the realization of time. Do you know what motivates Satan? Do you know what motivates Satan? The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 12, listen to it. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. What's motivating Satan's wrath? Time. It's sad that Satan is more motivated by the time than we are. I've never seen as fierce attack on God's people, on God's church, on God's teenagers, on God's families. I've never, ever seen as fierce attack on the home and families as I've seen the last two years. Never. It's full time. I mean, listen, it's a five-alarm fire. The devil's just working overtime in families and hearts and our teenagers. He's fighting in churches. What is motivating him? Here it is, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Could I beg you something this morning? Could I beg you to be just as serious about the time as Satan is? Could I beg you to fight for your family like Satan is? Could I beg you to fight for your teenagers like Satan is? Why? We don't have much time. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back, and he's going to see us sitting on our lazy boy while the devil hauls our family out the back door, hauls our country out the back door, and yet we were too busy in our complacency asleep. Why? Because we thought we had time. We don't have time. It says it's high time. But number two, watch what happens next. The realization leads to something. The Bible says the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us, watch closely, let us therefore. And when you see that word therefore, what does the old preacher say? Find out what it's there for. He's looking back to something. Because of verse number 11, you need to do what verse 12 says. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. It's interesting. Once you know the time, it changes how you do things, don't it? It changes how you do things. I have to tell you this story. Boy, I hate to do it, but I have to tell it to you anyway. It's going to make me look bad, but if it'll help you, I don't mind doing that. The other Friday night, I had a long, long night. Friday night. I mean long night. I mean, we didn't get in bed until about 6 a.m. On, fr- on Saturday morning, correct? We didn't get in bed until 6 a.m. Sometimes you have long nights. And, um, and so if I go to bed at 6 a.m., I'm not getting up for a few hours, okay? I'm just being honest with you. I'm not that spiritual. 10 a.m., I hear a doorbell. Doom, doom, doom. And we have a ring doorbell. I told Brother Michael, because it was him at my door. With a ring doorbell, you can pull up and you can look and see who it is. And I'm still kind of like trying to figure out because my eyes are still kind of, you know, messy. 
and I see, see some people standing at my door. I don't know why we do this, but when somebody rings the doorbell, you be still. Be quiet. That's what you do when I come. You know it. You know it. Be still. Be quiet. Don't move. All right, look, I didn't get to bed until 6 a.m. It's just 10. I got four hours sleep. Brother Michael and Miss Evelyn brought us coffee. It was our thousandth day here at Central, and they brought us some, some coffee to our house to celebrate our thousandth day that we were here. And I appreciated that so much. But man, when I looked and saw somebody at the door, I was scrambling. I wanted to look like I'd been awake. I mean, what pastor wants his members to see him asleep at 10 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, 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 work one day a week, sleep in till 10 o'clock. You know you thought it, and you've probably said it. I'm jumping up, trying to get dressed. You know you're trying to wake your face up? <laughs> Good morning, dear brother Michael. Good to see you on this glorious day the Lord hath given us. Thank you so much for the coffee that you have bestowed upon me and my family. All the while, you got pillow wrinkles on your face. That's why I've been praying, Brother Michael. I've been praying like this the whole time. I've got these prayer wrinkles all over my face. Man, when all of a sudden, when I, I looked at my watch, it's 10 o'clock. Somebody's at the door. i got to jump up. You see, the realization had an effect on me, as it should us. Now, watch what the effect was. The Bible says, therefore... What's therefore? Well, therefore, we have a realization. Let us cast off the works of darkness. You see, number two, notice the second thing about urgency. The realization produces the reaction to our time. Once you have a realization of what time it is, then you have a reaction to it. Like when you hit that snooze button, you hit that snooze button, and your wife comes in and says, you have to be at work in five minutes. <gasps> Panic, you get up, you're getting dressed, your socks don't match, you forget your belt, your hair's not brushed. What happened? The realization has caused a reaction. Now, that's what Paul's trying to do to these people, and that's what God wants to do for us. God says if you just realized what time it was, you would live a little bit differently than you're living now. Now, notice what that is. The Bible says, therefore, cast off the works of darkness. He said if you knew how close it was, for Jesus to come back, you wouldn't be living the way that you're living because you wouldn't want to be caught the way you're going to get caught. Is that not what he's saying? What? It's possible for good Christian people like us to get out of the will of God? Yeah, that's why he says if my people turn from their wicked ways. We're the problem, folks. It's not the lost people. Lost people are just acting like lost people. The problem is when saved people act like lost people, that's why our country's in the shape it's in. All right, so what does he say? The realization has produced the reaction. That's why Psalms 90, verse 12, the Bible says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Watch close. Teach us to number our days. Realize the time. That we may apply our hearts to wisdom. There's the reaction. If we just knew how fragile and frail this life was, we would change the way we live knowing that Jesus is coming back very soon. Now, here's what's interesting. You look at that verse 12. It says, therefore, let us cast off works of darkness. Well, obviously, we're talking about wickedness there, but here's, here's something even more interesting to that. When you look up that word darkness, it doesn't just mean wickedness. It means things pertaining to darkness, things pertaining to darkness. Now, here's what you've got to see. If you look close, you're going to see God's criteria for our conduct. Now, you need to see this. The Bible says, therefore, let us cast off the works of what? Darkness. Keep reading, and let us put on the armor of light. you got to see this. You're seeing God's criteria for our conduct. It boils down to two things, darkness or light. 
By the way, we created those gray areas in the middle. God says, cast off the darkness, put on the light. I don't think you got that one, so we're going to keep going, okay? Here's God's perspective. Listen, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. You are the children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night, not of darkness. I wonder what that means. Well, it means what it says. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises. Notice it says, show, that's our testimony, of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Watch this. The change in our life from a lost person to a saved person is nothing less than a daylight and dark difference. No, I know you're not going to hear that a lot in churches around the country because they want you to be comfortable in your sin because the preacher wants to be comfortable in his sin. I listened to an entire message yesterday of a preacher sitting on his bar stool behind his pulpit explaining why it's okay for Christians to drink. Through the course of the message, he talked about which wines he liked the most. You see, he can't preach against it in their life if he's got it in his life, and therefore he makes them comfortable in their darkness because he wants to be comfortable in his darkness. By the way, that's the truth this morning. If you don't like it, look, I'll be honest with you. It's okay, but I have to give an account to Almighty God for pointing out light and darkness, and I'm not going to give an account to God because I didn't blow the trumpet up on the wall. All right? Hear me out this morning. He said, well, I just don't like that kind of preaching. That's okay. That's okay. I promise you there's plenty of churches that will be glad to accommodate you. But i got to give an account to God. Our teenagers, I love them. I love them dearly. Every once in a while, we'll have a talk together. I try to balance out our talks with donuts, five to one. Five donut trips to one hard talk. But sometimes you got to have a hard talk. Why? Because darkness is real. I want them to stay out of the darkness. I want them to walk in the light. Do you know you can get hurt walking in darkness? You try to tiptoe through your bedroom with the lights off because you don't want to wake up your spouse? It's always that pinky toe. He's going to pay the price. He's going to pay the price. That toenail is going to be broke and it's going to hang up on your sock for weeks. That's horrible, isn't it? That could be some kind of torture right there. We should use that on terrorists to get information out of them. It's just torch. Don't scrub that off the live stream. I didn't say that, all right? You get hurt walking in darkness. So somebody once in a while needs to shine a light. Now watch what he said. I want you to see this, okay? He says, because you realize what time it is, you need to react accordingly. How do you react? Cast off the works of darkness. That's not just evil things. Ouija boards, okay? Oh, we've got to burn our Ouija board. I hope you already burned it, to be honest with you. But those are things that pertain to darkness. You know, there's some things a Christian should have nothing to do with. Why? Just because they pertain to darkness. You do. Let me show you something. My wife bought me this nifty little treat. It is a flat flashlight. Keep it in my pocket. Now, I don't always keep it in my pocket, but I brought it. Imagine this morning if, if I was walking around down the hallways doing this. My flashlight out. You would probably look at me like I was weird. Like worse than you already look at me because you think I'm weird. But remember how the lights are on? We got good light. We got LEDs all throughout our property now. That'll last 100 years. And you're walking around? Say, Brother Zimmer, what are you doing with a flashlight? The lights are on. You only need a flashlight when it's dark, right? Right? Are we on the same page? Can we at least agree with that one? You need a flashlight when it's dark. Some of you, pff, mind's blown. You're going to go home today. Let me tell you what I learned. You're going to put it on Facebook. My preacher said flashlights are made for the dark. They are. Flashlights pertain to darkness. Why on earth would I be walking around with a flashlight when all the light is perfectly lit? I, look, you, know, Brother Jeremiah, you don't need that. That pertains to darkness. 
You can put your flashlight away. Say, Brother Jeremiah, I think you're kind of weird. Yeah, God thinks we're weird. When he sees us walking around with things that pertain to darkness, when we're supposed to be walking in the light. What are, you, what are you doing carrying that around? What are you doing living that way, watching that stuff, listening to that stuff? What are you doing hanging around those folks? What does the Bible say? Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. He says, hey, what you carrying that around for? That has nothing to do with like You don't need that anymore. You need that when it's dark. You're not in darkness anymore. And yet I believe in the trump of God sounds a lot of Christians will be holding some things that pertain to darkness. Why? Because we were more interested in the lust of our flesh than the testimony of our faith. He says the reaction, watch, cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So what's God's criteria here? Well, he says daylight or dark. I think it'd be a good question for us. The thoughts we think, the words we say, the shows we watch, the music we listen to, I mean all down the line. We should ask ourselves a question, daylight or dark? Daylight or dark? I'm supposed to be walking in the light, but... You know, what about it today? What about it today? By the way, I want you to know my flesh gravitates toward what's dark. I'm being honest with you. It gravitates toward that which I should not want in my spiritual nature, my new nature. I'm right here with you. Why don't we start asking the questions? Hey, daylight or dark? We sit down to watch a movie with our family, daylight or dark? Fellowship is not just in person. You can fellowship with somebody who's on television, daylight or dark. Teenage guys, when you sit down and play the video game, ask yourself a question, daylight or dark? Daylight or dark? We wonder why these kids shooting up schools and all this kind of stuff. We get desensitized to it, sitting there playing it. I promise you, it's getting you into the darkness more than the light. Don't be surprised when you start doing it. It's a fact, man. Look, we're going to have nobody come back next Sunday, but that's okay. I told you the truth. I'm okay with God this morning. You? The reaction should be casting away what is dark. Years ago, I was in fifth grade. My teacher was named Martin Hitt, and uh, he's a cool guy, nice guy. And uh, back then, you couldn't eat in class. Now I hear you can eat in class and, and you have phones and all that. When I was a kid, you couldn't do that. And I remember I had a red blow pop sucker, and here's what I would do. I would sit on my desk. Mr. Hitt would turn around at the board. He was writing on the board. And when I saw him turning around, put it down. He'd go around and turn around the board. Down. I mean, I was slick. I was slick. But then I got lackadaisical. I got caught in between. He turned around, put it down. He turned back, and then he double dipped. He turned right back around, and I was sitting here with a red blow pot right at my face. What do you say? He gave me this. You blame it on your neighbor. He gave me this. He just looked at me and smiled. I was busted. There's nothing I could say. Some of us, watch this. The Lord's going to turn around, and you're going to have something in your hand that you're going to be ashamed of. That's why he says, you better realize the time and react accordingly. Luke 18, 8, the Bible says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, Shall he find faith on the earth? What do you think about this before I give you the last point? The Bible says, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Do you know he's going to find something? I wonder what's going to be in our hands when he comes. What's he going to find? Well, the way that we remedy that is by casting off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Now, I'm going to hurry. Verse 13, we could spend weeks on. 
Let us walk honestly in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering. I looked that word up, and it means just idle laziness. You're staying in the chamber and wantonness. Now, for those of you who like good Asian food, that does not say wantonness, okay? Some of you are like, oh, we can't eat wontons until Jesus comes back. That's what I thought it said. That's why I thought that. Maybe I was the only person, but the Bible says, let's walk honestly. And it says, not in wantonness. You know what wantonness is? It's exactly what it sounds like. It's always chasing after something you want. I want, I want, I want. Now's the time to chase after what you need, not what you want. A lot of us are going to be caught chasing wantonness when the Lord comes back. Keep reading. Not in strife and in envying. Do you know churches are notorious for strife and envy? Notorious. Notorious. One of the biggest troubles I ever got into in church was when I asked my wife, would you take some of the Afghans that were on our pews in our church? We had Afghans everywhere. And when a visitor would come in, a visitor didn't know where to sit because people had their territory marked by their Afghans. All right? I told my wife, I see visitors come in. They're like, ooh, I'm afraid to sit there. Ooh, you know how bad they are with their pews. They're like, don't sit in my seat. I asked my wife, I said, hey, at the end of the service, would you take the Afghans and just stack them in the back and tell the ladies when they come in, uh, when they get their Afghan, they can take it with them, but just don't leave it marking their territory. Oh, my soul. <laughs> Young preacher, who, for the Lawrence rookie mistake. We had a civil war because we moved the Afghans off the pews. I thought today, I wonder if we just realized how short our time was if we'd worry about the things we worry about, the strife. If you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow, would you worry about arguing what you're worried about arguing about right now? If you knew the trump of God was about to sound, the sky was about to split open, would you be mad at somebody across the room like you're mad at somebody across the room right now? Would you be holding a grudge? You'd be like, no, this is not big a deal. I'm going to cast that off. Why? Because the time is short. He's coming. He's coming. So number two, the urgency. We see the urgency in the reaction of our time. We need to make sure we're ready. And then finally, look down at verse 14, and I'll give you this, and we'll be done. We're having lunch today. On property, so I get to uh, I get to preach a little longer, right? Amen. Thank you, Brother Travis. All right, verse fourteen. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Number one, this morning we've got to see the realization of our time. It's short. If you knew how short it was, you'd have a sense of urgency. But number two, when you get to the place to where you realize how short it is, you're going to react differently. I asked my wife this morning for a picture. I'm going to get in trouble for this, I know, but I'm going to do it anyway because I'm the dad and I can do that. For my daughter's 12th birthday, she didn't know it, but we saved and saved and saved. And uh, we're going to take her to Disneyland, California. It's a little bit cheaper. It was within the budget. And we had one of those things. We've seen all the commercials all those years where you wake a kid up, wake up, we're going to Disneyland. We thought, that's a great idea. Let's do that. So we saved up and the morning came. I think it was March the 26th. And getting ready to take her to Disneyland for her birthday. And so Leslie and I go into her bedroom. She's got her head in her hands right now. She knows what's coming. We go into her bedroom. Miley, wake up. Wake up. She goes, mm-hmm. you know, like your kid does. Mm-hmm. I said, Miley, wake up. She wasn't too interested in getting up. I said, we got to go, bud. We got to go. And she says, where are we going? You know, I forget what day it was, Tuesday, Wednesday. Where are we going? You know, what's, what's going on? I said, well, we got to go. We got a plane to catch. 
She says, huh? I says, we have lunch reservations at Artist Point at Disneyland, California. We're going for your birthday, and we have to leave now. In that moment, I snapped a picture that I want to show you this morning. This is where I'm going to get in trouble. Her reaction changed when she realized. She realized where she was going. Man, that kid got dressed quicker than anybody, packed a suitcase quicker than anybody. She wasn't sleepy no more. What happened? The realization produced a reaction. We don't realize it this morning. That's why we're not reacting to it. And I want to show you why. Verse 14 says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, I'm just going to show you what you have to do in order to be ready. The Bible says make no provision for the flesh. So notice the process. It says cast off and put on. Is that what it says in verse 12? Let us cast off and let us put on. Here's what's interesting. You can't do both. You've got to cast one off and you've got to put one on. But you can't put them both on. So you've got to decide this morning which one you're going to have. But here's the most amazing thing this morning. You've got to say no to one of them. You've got to say no to one of them. That's number three, the resistance in our time. This morning, you've got to decide which one you're going to resist. Are you going to resist the Holy Spirit's leading to fulfill now, or are you going to resist the flesh that's trying to hold you back? But you've got to pick one. When I was studying this morning, I noticed something I've never noticed before, and I'm going to ask for some help again. We're getting the habit of this. Got to get you, you, and you to come up here right quick, real quick, guys. All right? We're going to play Wheel of Fortune right quick. Now, come up here right quick. Hurry, guys, hurry. The Lord's coming back. I mean, good night. Get on up here quickly. I noticed something I've never noticed before. All right? Stand right there. Stand right there. Hey, let's go to this side. These people got y'all last week. Let's put you on this side so these folks can get y'all this week. All right? Here, I want you to hold this. I want you to hold this. And I want you to hold this. All right? Watch with me, if you will. What does this spell? Now. All right? Is this not what the will of God is for our life? Fulfill it now. Watch this. What is that? Come on, help me out, okay? Help me out. Some of y'all didn't go to Central. I can tell. You didn't go to Central Christian School. I can tell. All right? What does that spell? Nothing. All right? Watch this. I learned this morning you can't spell now without spelling no. If you're going to fulfill your now, you've got to learn to say no. At some point in your life, God's will is calling this way, and then the world's will in your flesh is calling this way, and you've got to choose who you're going to say no to. Now, the reason we haven't fulfilled the will of God thus far is because we say no to the Holy Spirit of God, to the Word of God. We say no to the preaching of the Word of God, and we say yes to the desires. What does it say? Verse 14, the lust of the flesh. You've got to decide this morning who you're going to say no to. If you're going to fulfill your now, you can't have a now without a no. Do you see it? Don't forget that. You can't fulfill the will of God for your life right now until you say no to something. Right now, it's 1213. You're welcome. And there's something inside of you that's ready to go. It may be your stomach. Mine is. It's ready to go. I didn't eat breakfast today. And there's something ready to get out that door. But there's also something pulling you this way toward this altar. And I can tell you one thing's for sure. You're going to tell one of them no. 
And that's going to determine your now. If you want to fulfill your now, you've got to learn to say no. Look at the Bible. The Bible says, stay right there, guys. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision. That means don't give it the time for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I have no doubt in my mind, in my heart this morning, that God desires to work in this church beyond what we've already seen and what he already has done in this church. But we're never going to find out what our now is until we learn to say no. Go have a seat real quick, guys, and we'll finish up. This week I preached in chapel to our teenagers, and I read for them Proverbs 1.10. My son of sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Do you know what I told them? At some point, becoming the teenager God wants them to become is going to boil down to them saying no. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. It means you just got to learn to say no. Can I tell you why the Christian failures are what they are today? They never learn to say no to the right things. Can I tell you why Christian successes are the way they are today? They learn to say no to the right things. I want to ask you this morning, what are you willing to say no to today to find and fulfill your now? Are you willing to say no this morning to the company that you keep, the habits that you have, the doubts that you have, the fears that you have? Maybe this morning you might need to tell your couch no. I'm not staying in you tonight. We're not having church tonight, so you can stay on your couch tonight. I'm not staying in you on Wednesday night. I'm going to tell my couch no on Sunday morning. I'm going to tell my couch no. I'm going to tell my friends no. Hey, if somebody invites you to go somewhere with them on a Sunday, you ought to be insulted because they were assuming you were going to skip church anyway. You ought to say no. No. When, 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 when sinners entice you, consent thou not. Just learn to say no. A friend of mine posted this on Facebook the other day. I'll give you this and we're done. She had this post that said, I said yes to this dress. And I was like, what? That's the weirdest thing I ever heard. I said yes to this dress. And I went back and read the captions, you know, and she's getting married. And went to this dress store and searched through all of these hundreds, if not thousands, of dresses that were there. And finally, she said yes to one dress because you couldn't wear them all, even though I'm sure you ladies would like to try. She said no to everything else and said yes to one. Can I ask you this morning, would you just say yes to the Holy Spirit of God? Why don't you say yes? Say no to everything else. Why? Because the urgency of now, the realization of our time, the reaction of our time, and then finally the resistance. Why don't you resist the devil this morning instead of resisting God? Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stand together.